Welcome to episode 296 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. So 296 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom, Bevan James Oz. How are you going, mate? I am sensational. It's funny how well, John. Do you know why? Why? Because it just seems like it was last week a minute ago to yeah. us. Just come off the beach. <laughs> just come off the beach. Has it has not checked the computer gone? Very well. Very good. Well, if you if you listen to the show and uh, last week we said how we we're going to pretty much record straight on from last week's show, so literally it's a minute between the end of last week's show and the beginning of this week's show. And John's saying, how are we going to make this work? It's, it's going to happen. It always works out, doesn't well, it? Well, I was impressed, John. You know what's really funny? So John's good. You know, he does the show notes. So we have our roles within the, com- in the company. In the company. Like the CEO. I'm, I'm the pleb. <laughs> and, and he does show notes. And the funny thing was, last week in the show, and last week's show when you were talking, I was looking at this week's show notes for pretty much half the show. And then I was like, right. something's wrong here. And then I eventually got there. So, nice. so we're sharp. Anyway, I'm Talk is proudly brought to you by... Coffeesofwai.com Because you need your coffee kick. Oh, I'm going to have to find another coffee fact, don't I? Um, Athlinks.com. You need to get your friends involved. And extreme endurance. You need to check out the the springy thing in their bottles that comes with the new drink. Yes. Okay, guys, in this week's show, we've got a bit happening, we've got a bit of news, and it's going to be interesting to see how he's he's winged the news to this point because we had nothing last week, so (laughs) if we have something this week, it's going to be hard work. Uh, We've got a great interview with Gordon. What's that about, Jumbo? It's about do-it-yourself camps, how to sort of structure camps. Um, A lot of it's, uh, or the second half, it's really linked into questions on Facebook. Um, So if you're listening to that part, you might want to also look at the questions on Facebook. Um, to sort of tie it all together And then we've got a coach's corner Yes, and you might be able to participate in this Ooh, a yes. little bit So you can uh, maybe have a little pause about that So you can give it some thought when we're going through there And Do we have an age group of the week? We have got an age group of the week oh, as well yeah. Okay, well let's get straight into it uh, We've got news, and news is probably brought to you by SLS Try this week And use the discount code IAMTALK at uh, checkout for 25% off And we'll tell you a little bit more about that later on But first of all guys, we have coming up this weekend Enduro Man And it's in Spain In Lanzarote So what uh, is interesting about this uh, story here Is we're going to pad it out Because this is our one item of news (laughs) for the week But it's coming up this weekend And when I You go to k226.com That basically has all the non-WTC Iron distance races on it and so I clicked on this, and then I thought, oh, you know, I've kind of heard of Enduro Man before, but I thought it was the one in the UK. And it's actually now they're trying to set up a little bit of a Enduro Man so series. What's an Enduro Man, Jumbo? Well, they're basically setting up a festival of events, a bit like we had Challenge Monica last weekend, which was a festival of events. Two weekends and ago. It's, it's a bit <laughs> – two weekends ago. It's a um, – they're really trying to focus on the longer – Distance races and having a variety. Okay. So, as a longer, a more than single, double, quintuple, decker stuff. So, but this this version, and, and they're trying to create an enduro man brand. I don't think it's a, a big profiteering venture. It's really just trying to create some some hardcore events. And this one, this edition is in Lanzarote in Spain, but they're also running um, several other races. And the first one that sort of tickled my fancy, which would be incredibly challenging, is it's called the Arch to Arch. You run 87 miles from London to Dover. We need that converter again, don't we? What's 87 yes. miles? 87 miles. Be ballparker. 140. 30. Yeah, about, about that. Yep. It's 160 yep. k, isn't it, yep. for 100 miles? Um, so you swim. You, you do that from London to Dover. Then you swim the English Channel. Oh! That, that's about... 
it's not that long. It just take, it's, not, it? it's not that far. It just what, takes what, a long what? time. I think it's like 25k. I think oh, just oh. ballpark, but it's the length of time that it takes 25, 30k something. Like How that. long would it take? Ages, I'm not sure. How do you sure. time this race? Because the, the different tides and stuff would have. Well, I think you have, to, you have to read the. the Maybe everyone thing. has to stop. At the, it's in time for a run. There's a bit of a rest period in your run. Yeah, it'd be something like that. Um, and then you, you cycle 181 miles from Calais to Paris. Calais is, for those that don't know the area, that's basically where. They should have put more of a cycle in. Because if you look at the distances, okay, a hundred and uh, you know, hundred and forty k run, yeah, pretty good run, yeah. You're gonna swim in the channel, pretty good. One hundred eighty k's, really, yeah. <laughs> Just sad, uh, but it's cool. It's arch to arch. Interesting fact on that one: price entry fee is fairly high, um, five thousand pounds, because you have to pay a huge amount to, to, the, channel. to the channel crossing. That's two and a half thousand oh. pounds alone. Um, that's about as much detail as I went into when I was looking at it. But I just thought it was pretty, pretty well, cool. But thing some too. of those, these, these kind of races are extreme. Like they've got that one where you do the marathon in the Antarctic, right? Yeah, and that's like twenty five thousand dollars to do that. Yeah, like it's a, it's a huge amount of money. Yeah, and you know, all good, but yeah. I saw this thing because we've got no news. I'm going to tell you about a bit of a random story here. So I was out walking the other no. So <laughs> I was watching this thing on YouTube because I've got my running groups, and each week when we do our weekly emails, we always put a YouTube clip on and it's got some inspirational kind of running thing on it. And one of the ones we had a few weeks ago, a guy doing a half marathon, or maybe it was a marathon, half or maybe in the snow with no shoes on, basically in his undies. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, man, and it was like, it was like he was, his feet could fall off. It was that bad, but he ended up doing it. It was phenomenal. He ended up taking them like seven hours. <laughs> That's what's more phenomenal. It's not about running a half marathon. Well, maybe it wasn't that long. Hours. It was a long time, but yeah. But basically, he was at the point where you know it was kind of like I'm not sure if death was what was going to, but it was serious problems were going to happen. If he and there's like, look, you've got half an hour to finish. If you don't, you know, you, it's over. You're losing your hands and your legs. And he had this uncanny ability to heat his body up from internally. So that was the only reason he could do it. Like they're saying, it's pretty much impossible, but this guy's one of those freak of natures. But yeah, so there you go. Great news. Yeah. Well, you can do yeah. arch to arch. There you go, arch to arch. And the one that's on this weekend coming is Enduro Man Lanzarote. They've got a double, a single um, Ironman. They've got an Olympic and a sprint. Um, so it'll be a good training day for you guys who are in the middle of uh, the Northern Hemisphere winter. And then the one that I thought this was all about, the Enduro Man UK. I remember that last year. June, they, had the, yeah. they had the Decker. And they, had the, they have a Decker. They have, you know, Fours, fives, ones. Now, how, do, how do they do the decker at that race? That, that's a question I'm not quite oh, sure okay. on. Okay. Um, <laughs> and the, but they also have a hundred uh, ultra, hundred. I'm not sure. I presume it's a hundred mile ultra. But the cool thing about this event is the guy's gone pretty hardcore to try to make it um, somewhat interesting for these races. Because often you go to these deckers and you're like you're swimming in a, a swimming pool yep. and then you'll do you know a gazillion laps bike. of two yeah. uh, k loop and then you'll run four hundred laps of four hundred meters. But his, the running is all off road and the picture on there they were steaming down some hill, so it's a bit of a uh, an off road really run that? which would be make it a lot tougher and also claims the bike is not uh, not boring as hell so and then they're looking to put on um, in Italy 2013 they're looking to put on another um, Enduro Man event over there as well okay John the question I have for you is how much money would I have to fundraise for you to do a decker if I could fundraise 30 mm. grand from the listeners would you do a decker uh, Probably not. Oh, it's close, but isn't it? It's close. Yeah. If we were talking 50, 60K. 50K? It's, yeah. For some people, that's a year's work. Yeah. Then I'd, then I'd start. Really? So 50K, yeah. you would do a decker. And, and we could choose the format. Yes. So we can say so it's all swim, bike, run, no sleep, yeah. as fast as you can go. We could put bonuses in there as well, couldn't we? We could go, okay, so you've got 
we'll say... T- I would prefer to do the one a day for 10 days. Yeah, I think so too because it's mixing it up. I think yeah. mentally if you're doing non-stop, of, yeah. especially when it comes to the run at the end, yeah. you're on 420 Ks. Mm-hmm. It's a long time running. It is. But we could do it. what we could do is we go, okay, if you enter, you get 10,000. Complete it, you get 40,000. Yeah. If you do it in less than nine days, you get 50,000. Right. And less than eight days, you get 100,000. Right. <laughs> yeah. Would you go, you go for the eight days? Do you think you could do it in eight days? I'd have to think about that. I was going. I was going to ask you that same question. If you were going to do one, what pace would you set out for that first one? Oh, you'd have to go slow. Yeah, I know. But it's so, interesting when we've looked at it this race over the years. The guys who win it when they do the Ironman a day, they mm. don't go that slow. They tend to sit around about twelve to. It kind of starts off around twelve thirteen hours, doesn't it? And then mm. by the end of it, they're kind of more closer to eighteen. But they, they yeah. aren't going that slow. I'm, I'm picking that. You know, if, if I was going to do them, you just go at a steady. Training pace for us, pretty comfortable. You know, you'd say, say 30K an hour, 30, yep. just over 30K an hour, so you're looking at a six-hour What's the thing is, where's that line of ride. being too slow? Just in, mm. you know, One-hour like, swim, six-hour ride, um, probably take... You'd want to go slow on the run. You'd probably walk probably most four, of the run. Probably four yeah. and a half, maybe, for the run. Yeah. So you're looking at about 11.30. That's what I was thinking. I was thinking sort of 11.30, maybe So based 12. on that, John, you're getting $100,000. There we go. Listeners, okay, stump I'll, it up. I'll put a link to it on the website. I need website. some guy from... <laughs> From uh, like Dirk Bockel's founder, his man from Leopard Trek, who's just yeah, stumped up bound to have listeners with billions of dollars. One of our billion dollar listeners. Spare Hundy on hand. <laughs> hundy on hand. Thousand. And John has to earn it. You're not giving it to him. He has to earn it. And that can be in New Zealand dollars. Doesn't have to be in US so dollars. in your favour. Um, I'll do it. See what I did there, mate? I padded an extra couple of minutes thinking news. Love your work. Okay, so that's pretty much news for this week. And it's brought to you by SLS Try. One thing that I've been trying with SLS Try that I've never tried before is the. Um, the little calf sleeve things because oh. you know often I've just worn socks but we've, we've often discussed this how bloody quickly can you get socks on in a race you know it's a bit of a hassle mm. to get them on and they are tight you know no matter what brand you get they're going to be pretty tight but the sleeve things I was a little bit sceptical about them but they do actually go all the way down nicely over your, your ankle bone and they um, well, so you put them on in a race no but the thing with the, the, the thing with them is you can wear them under your wetsuit yeah, yeah. Because, because the thing with a sock you can't really wear that under your wetsuit no. whereas these sleeve things you're basically getting the exact same um, port just less, obviously not through your, your, your feet, and you, but you save on transition time. And it's not so much, it's not just about the, the time in transition, it's also about, I reckon I'd cramp trying to put socks on in transition, especially coming off the bike. Yeah. You know, you know, I'm just, you're just about cramping as it is. And, and hey, really you're trying with the I'm talking, you know, transition challenge. Yes. You can't put socks on. You can't. So um, SLS have got, um, they call them day sleeves, and they're very light, they're great for racing, wear them under your wetsuit and safe time in T1, designed by medical professionals and more than 15 years experience, free shipping in the US, if you use the code IAMTALK you get 25% off anything on slstry.com. John, I've got a debate. Yeah, yeah, what's your debate? Okay, I, I was at this great race a few months ago called Festival of Triathlon, doing some voice work. Great organiser, amazing. Yeah, this guy amazing. I know him, even wears the top when he comes around to my house all the time. <laughs> and we had the transition, we didn't do the transition challenge at Kona. And for those who don't know what I'm talking about, when we were in Kona, we were, we, had, we were meant to have quite a few challenges. Millie we ended up doing about two or three. I have got the trophy in my office. Yes. yes you might notice it when you go in there, but... And one of the challenges we were meant to do was go into transition, and John was going to do the old you know, rubber band on bike, your shoe. Bike shoes, yep. fix your bike. And I was arguing that really put your shoes on, go first. And we didn't end up doing it. And I, pro- I did concede <laughs> that you p- may have beaten me. Yes. I, I was willing to concede that, and I think you're right. But I think for only 7% of the field, they should do that. Because at your race, the amount of people 
who were peasants yeah. and were trying to do the old John Newsom jump on the bike, put your shoes on not trick. Not particularly safe. Not sometimes. particularly safe. And it took them so much longer, whining all over the road, shoes falling off, someone fell off their bike. Seriously, if you, it's, you've got to practice it. Yeah, definitely. Because it was like, it blew my mind. Like, it was kind of at that moment, it was, I kind of had that, oh, moment because yeah. I was like I was right deep down if it was a percentage <laughs> of the field doing yeah. the different ways I actually think most people should stop and put the shoes on I would concede on that mm. I, I would say it was mind blowing like most people were yeah. just terrible and just about riding into each other and well it's one thing we do on our club camp every year we have a big session on transition training because people are hopeless at it yeah so yeah I would, I would agree that many so people are quicker practice Practice, tip is practice, and but the other factor that you've got to consider is what sort of surface you're going to be running across because your speed is important, but if you're going to be running across a big grassy pitch and if it's muddy and you fill your cleats with mud, that's a bit of an issue. Yeah, true. And if you're going to be running across a, uh, a concrete, fe- um, a really long amount of concrete, the quite slippery, and mm-hmm. the shock on your legs. So it's a pretty hard one to sort of solve. I would generally say have your shoes on there, providing you're competent at doing it. But as you said, yeah, it was it was a bit messy. Anyway, John, let's put some music on. Oh, discussion. Oh, we we haven't got one because we've we, 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 we haven't even posted week? last week's one. We can't double up discussions. Did we even talk about last week's one? I don't think we did. Yeah, we did. It was about the um, if you're in a dodgy training situation, oh, you're liking it. You're liking it. Oh, how's your how's your training plan and going, honey? <laughs> okay, then let's put some music on. We're going to do an age group of the week. Here's some music. Gripper of the week. John, how many marathons you done now? Well, standalones three. Standalones three. I've got one. One of three. What do you mean one of three? I've had one good one, one crap one, and one really crap one. What was the crap one? Uh, Christchurch. What did you do? The froze. Oh, that's I, right. I, you were looking was, pretty good. Um, yeah, I was looking okay, and then I f- it was a freezing cold day. Richard and I just was froze. looking smoking on you, and I thought, don't worry, John. Yeah. John was pretty wise. He'll come through. Richard yeah. was going too fast. Yeah. And Swanee took you out, didn't he? Yeah. So, yeah. One, so you, one from three. Bit of everything. Yeah. Bit of everything. Bit of a mixed bag. And how many in I mean? So, how many times have you ran the marathon distance? I don't know. Tenish? Mm. Something like that. Can you say you've ran 10 marathons? No. Why? No, I mean, marathons are shuffle a thon. Oh, you went three hours. Most people went three hours. Yeah, I went faster than Ironman than I did at the weekend. So maybe I'll maybe I'll take that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Uh, age group of the week. So who's who's going to? This is brought to you by Training Peaks. Tell me about it, John. So if you go to trainingpeaks.com, you use the code I am talk. You fifteen percent discount. We'll be discussing a couple of things um, about them in a moment. But first age grouper at Wanaka Challenge. Wanaka first. Proper, we call it first proper iron distance race of the year. Um, we haven't done this in a while. We've just we grabbed someone in a while, have we? Yeah, because we were, we're, oh, we're, we're, we're about thin. Listeners. No, we're not. Uh, we're not. I was, we, have, we, have, we have got another one that's going to get a noteworthy mention. He nominated his wife again for supporting him, but you replied rightly so. Yeah, we're not really going to have wives and stuff no, as age groups of the week. Sorry. Yes, respect they what they're it. doing. Fantastic. They'll get an oh, let's just do. Let's just say mention. from here forward. All wives or husbands who mm. are partners of Ironman athletes, you are age groupers of life. Mm. There you go. See what I did there? There you go. <laughs> Saved yourself a few emails there, didn't you? <laughs> I did, didn't I? Um, so Challenge Monica uh, two weekends ago, uh, Carl Reed was the first age grouper overall. He was in the 30 to 39 age group. He swam 57-51. He was 17th overall and 4th in his category. Nice. Came through on the bike for the 10th overall fastest time in 5-14. So was he 10th off the bike? 
I don't know. I think yeah. I would imagine that's the 10th fastest spike split. Okay. And then he brought that home in a 3.06 um, for nice the fifth work. overall time, first in his category. So he's first age grouper overall in 9.24.15, which on that course, in those conditions, yeah. is not too shabby. Um, and more importantly, John put some little notes aside. He did not get checked. Yeah, yeah, I did. <laughs> yeah. So I think Gina Ferguson, uh, Gina Crawford, jeez, I always get that wrong. Um, How many years has it been? <laughs> It has actually only been one or two. Uh, she was 11th, I think, overall. So, he, yeah, he was the only age group guy that did not get checked. A little bit of work required on transitions. Um, he was only 37th um, position mm. overall in T1. T2 picked up his game, picked up his game big time. He was 5th overall in tra- transition to... 3 minutes so 45. Nice. Is that pretty... Because you've got that long run in Monica, haven't you? From the water to the bike? Yes, and you go over a bridge now as well as an over bridge you sort of run over so um, mm. I'm not sure how competitive Shut that is but uh, good, good to see nice even splits you know he, he on the run he did 131 um, and a 306 so he went 134-ish 134, 135 on the second lap so it's not too bad a drop off it's overall very John, solid what I like about today's show is that you're not being sex biased no, no. Never, I would never do that because you're talking about Julie Williamson as well and she was the yes. fastest female of the day yes and yeah. she, she was in the 40 to 49 age oh. group and she swam a 112 for 81st overall, 18th female, second in her division. She biked a 603, which on that day is not too shabby at all. Um, she was 11th fastest female, first in her category. And then she ran a 406, and who was second fastest in her category, first overall, 10th female overall. So there we go, we had 10th guy and 10th female overall oh, being nice. first um, winners. And she did 1128.32. Like our male counterpart, Carl, she had nice split. Always look at the run splits. You know, she did 4.06, went out in 2.02, so only like about a, a four-minute fade there in the second half. Mm, nice. And, and an Ironman, it's good. And on, on that course, and given she's been out there for, you know, over 10 hours. Have uh, you done a negative split in a marathon in an Ironman? No. That'd be pretty rare, wouldn't Very it? Very rare. David yeah. Craig. Did um, Craig David. He, Craig David. He has done it before. When I used to be, when I was coaching, I was like, man, I don't know how you do that. Yeah. But he, uh, I'm almost positive he did it somewhere. So nice work, and it's nice to just pluck some of these age groupers out from, from the midst of nowhere. Okay, on what well, was a pretty tough Because it's always nice to get, you know, like it's always pretty cool to win your age group. Mm. So if you've got any age, age group, you, got a whole race. Any honourable stories out there from last year, whether it be Kona, whether it be any race last year, just anything with a little bit of twist, we'd like to hear about them and give those people Okay, the rules are you can't nominate yourself. Yes, that's a, it's a biggie. Can't nominate yourself. Partners are nominated for life. They're one for life. Yes. Maybe one day we could have a, a discussion a week. Why is your partner great? No, 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 no. Jordan, you've got to give some love. I give my wife plenty of loving. <laughs> plenty of loving. <laughs> got to want to love. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, training peaks. Well, tell me about it, John. So one thing with training peaks is it's a bit like I talk about athletics, but you know you can keep all things in one place um, because what you know some of us these days you know you might be training with an SRM power meter, you might run with a Garmin, and you may even swim with a different you know the new Garmin these days the nine ten that's coming out that you can swim with that as well and it keeps track of all really? your laps as well. Wow, so that's then, you, cool. then you've got a couple of different How does devices. It do that? Um, Does it look like a thing let's you get someone on from Garmin and, and ask them okay, rather than that. speculate um, but then you've got to upload it to three different websites you know, you've got Garmin Connect Polar Pro Trainer and SRM and, and they're and all got Mickey Mouse let's be honest no they're, not, they're, not, no, they're all good but then, then you've got to go to three different yeah, Mickey Mouse but, but then you've got to go to three different places yep. um, whereas the good thing they work really hard at Training Peaks is they recognise all the different um, devices out there so you use a, a product called uh, Device Agent and Boomcha you just put it into the boom-cha. air 
plug it in, away you go, upload straight into your calendar, and then it just tracks all your training. Very, very easy if you've, um, you know, if you, if you are tracking electronically all your training, very easy way to track things, and you chuck in a couple of comments, and you're away. One other thing I want to give them a really big plug for is um, one thing that I was looking at the other day is the nutritional tracking. So if you are really trying to work on your weight side of things, as Bevan shows, his pops his big belly out. It's hot in here. I've got a sweaty belly button. Do you know, do you know what? <laughs> what? I need to be working on this a bit more. Nutrition My belly tracking. button? No, not the belly button. Nutritional tracking. Weigh in at Challenge Wanaka. I was the heaviest I've ever been. How it was not a good item for the race. 74 kgs. Mm. And I looked at that and went, Oh, and you to be doing a marathon. I was like, carrying oh, some weight. I don't want to be carrying that weight around. And then, what do you normally say? That? What's a healthy weight? I'm always, basically, always have been seventy kgs plus or minus one or two. So sixty eight is probably as light as I get. I've never seen myself above seventy two. I was like standing there going, I got to run a marathon. That's the last thing you want is to be weighing heavy. Do you know what's really interesting? And we'll go back to training peaks in a minute. But what's really interesting is that I'm training myself to eat different now because mm-hmm. I'm trying to pull away from doing so much exercise and I'm trying to look for more kind of short and tense stuff. And uh, and just because I want to put more time to other things, but I'm having to train myself to eat less volume. Oh, totally. Yeah, like I've done it before, but it, it, it's even less now because, mm. uh, like, I just I'm just we can eat so much, can't we? Mm. And and I'm exactly the same. I'm conditioned to eating a lot, and so I always eat till I'm full, and you're sweet. You just train it off. Yeah. But um, well, it's well, now, John, we're getting old. Yeah, I know. So, and I'm sick of Blind saying middle aged spread. It's okay. I like it. <laughs> I don't like it. No, she's she, she's letting you off of it. She? She, she's. She winds me up probably about 10 times a day on it. Um, but the good thing about this is really it's quite an easy, especially if you, we talked about iPhone apps last week. They've got the iPhone app. It's something you can do when you're commuting and stuff. And it's just like, say you eat a banana yeah, and an apple. Right. Yep. It's all, they've all got in the library. You don't need to type in one Breaks banana and one apple. Boom, it just tells you how many calories you're taking in. And then it can just break it down into all your, you know, your fats, your proteins, your carbohydrates. So a really good tracking tool. And if you go for the premium version, then you can start to use a lot more of the, the analysis tools. So I'd really encourage you guys to get on there. Remember, go through IM talk.me click on the link there please and just go and check it out and if you want to sign up the premium version use the code i am talk please good times check it out okay uh, we've got an interview coming up with gordo from endurancecorner.com and he's going to just talk to you about long camps do it yourself camp diy diy here he is right this week we're very happy to have back in the house or back on the line good friend of the show gordo from endurancecorner.com it's been hello. a while hello gordo it, it has been a while guys yes. good to be back story so he's yes. in kona he's doing the hard life eh? yeah it's wonderful absolutely wonderful here just so it, i guess it's a shame there's no coffees of wide boat for you to go out there and swim around each morning oh mate i can't I can't swim in the sea because I had that jellyfish issue at Ultraman. So if I swim into another one, I'm dead in the water. So, oh really? No, yeah. yeah. I don't know about that. Give me a quick, quick story on that oh, one. Oh, it's you know, it's like you know, some people got bee stings and nuts. Yeah. Well, it turns out that I got jellyfish. Yeah, I've swum into them three times, and each time was a bigger reaction. And last time was trip to the. Uh, trip to the hospital and I, I, I my went into anaphylaxis i was sweating so much there was like this little river coming off the gurney i was just full-blown uh reaction to it and that was the end of my ultraman race that day wow yeah you're, you're a man who's done a lot of camps over the years and that was going to be sort of this week's uh 
work out of the work out of the month is sort of talking about camps and how people can gonna construct those. So um, you recently wrote a bit of an article on on Endurance Corner about you know it's it's titled How to Qualify by sort of doing um, over distance work, but it's sort of got a bit of a bit of a camp theme on it. And one of the key things we often you know, get questions about is people coming and saying, right, I want to do a, a self catered camp, a do it myself camp. Um, when when you know if we're talking about training up for a peak performance when do you tend to recommend timing wise that people do their camps yeah so i think it's it's important to remember that the load and by load i mean volume with intensity the the load that you do three to seven weeks out from your goal event is the most useful load so if you're thinking about your year if I'm thinking that I'm going to prepare myself to do this big overload camp that's going to end three or four weeks out, I need to be building up towards that with mini camps that are going to be spaced throughout my season. So I plan that whole year out maybe to get myself fit enough so I could do that really big block that might end three or four weeks out. Um, The other thing is camps need to be different depending on the time of year. So, for instance, if it's early in the year, much more volume-focused, particularly bike volume, whereas late in the year, if you're right at the end of your season, your stamina and your your volume phase is pretty much done. So you're going to get a lot more bang for your buck by doing a fair amount of moderately hard and threshold work and not worrying too much about the overall hours that you're going to be doing within the week. Final thing on that would be I would tend to split – most athletes will tend to be more volume responders or intensity responders. And what do I mean by that? Well, if you got a really muscular guy that's, say, 100 kilos, 220 pounds, if that guy's moving at any speed at all, he's doing a fair amount of work in terms of absolute watts on the bike or, or the absolute work just to move a body that, that is that big. But if you have an older athlete or a smaller female athlete, you need to have a much higher relative intensity to get some benefit from that. So sending a small young woman out on a training camp and just having her ride slow all day is not going to do a whole lot for that lady. Whereas that larger guy, if you just send him out, even with a backpack on and have him hike up and down the mountains, he's going to get something out of that uh, just from lumbering around. It's interesting you say that, you know, with – when we see the, the epic camps, you know, you have uh, sometimes if they were placed, you know, five, six weeks before Ironman New Zealand, even though it was an incredibly difficult week, the guys that were well prepared, providing they didn't nuke themselves, would still come out of that and, and often have a really good race. Um, yeah. Yet perhaps the guys that weren't quite as well prepared for it, they tended to suffer a bit more straight after the race, uh, straight after the camp. Yeah, and I think an interesting thing, you know, with that epic type training is a lot of people. They're limited mentally for their Ironman performance, not physically. In other words, yeah. uh, especially those guys that are right on the edge. So the good age groupers rather than the great age groupers, they, they have a mental limiter. And the limiter is they can't control themselves early in the, in the race and they fold when it gets hard late in the race because they screwed up their early pacing. You go out and you got you to gotta, you gotta ride every day with a guy like Klaus Bjorling for 8 to 12 days, if you get your pacing wrong early, you're going to have a long time to suffer and think about it. Uh, likewise, you get to day five and you, you still got to train six to eight hours 
for another week at those longer camps that we did. And it just brings a mental toughness to the athlete that when it gets hard on the marathon, they're like, this is nothing. This is just a one-day event. I know that I can keep going for another four days like this. And they get that mental breakthrough. So even if they overdo it at Epic Camp, mentally they're so much stronger when they come out the other side that on race day, even if they're a touch tired, not a factor. What about if someone says, you know, look, I've got X amount of leave. I can, I can maybe take a week in total off training. And would they typically, you think they respond better to a, a one, say, an eight-day camp? Or are they going to benefit more from, say, having a couple of three- to four-day camps um, you know, spread through their build-up? Yeah, good, good question. I mean, the, so that article you guys referenced is really an elite amateur type article. I mean, I'm talking to the people that want to get to Kona. A much more practical approach to overload is if you take your summer and you've got, you've got those leave days, well, rather than taking a whole day off, every other week, take a half a day off. Go into work at lunchtime. And that's going to enable you to get that second long ride in every other week. So instead of doing just two long rides in two weeks, you're going to get three long rides. And that, that makes a big difference. And, and that's something that's doable for almost everybody. They might, you know, you might even be able just to, that might not even cost you a holiday. You just negotiate it. The other thing that's practical for people is just try and swim, bike, and run Saturday and Sunday. So I, I call that like an SBR weekend. So you're just going to swim, bike, and run both days, back-to-back days. And then once you've proven that you can do that, another way to look at it, and what I, what I used to do a couple times when I was when I was just starting out, would be longest swim of the week is done Friday evening. So you have your biggest endurance swim. Then on Saturday, you do a ride, or a long ride that's followed by a run. And then on Sunday, you do a run first thing, breakfast, and then a, and then a moderately long ride. And then it lets you get a whole lot of volume into your weekend. The Sunday run and ride is more a just do it type session. The Saturday ride and run would be where you might have some main sets and try and be a little more focused. That way you don't get to Monday and just be totally wrecked all the way through to Thursday. You, the key thing with this overload is you want to get back to your, your, your normal training as fast as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and and th- that's kind of real world uh, overload doesn't take a lot of vacation. Now back to your question specifically, if you're a really fit athlete, uh, and so you're already near the top of your age group, I think there's a lot of benefit for overloading for an entire week, six days. Mm. Um, you just, you can't simulate that over a long weekend. You, you just, you know, the way you feel on day three or day four and you're tired and you go through that fatigue and you just learn to tolerate the fatigue is something that's really valuable at the top of the amateur groups. However, if you're new or if you're mid-pack or or, or towards the the back half of the field, then long weekends are a much safer way to play it. You're not going to bury yourself. Even if you get a little carried away with intensity, you're going to bounce back in a couple days. And so it depends on where you're at. How do you gauge it? You know, because I'm not sure a lot of guys listening to this right now, maybe even been racing for a while, and so they've got like a good base, but they might still just be like a you know 12, 13 hour kind of athlete, maybe not that top level, and they may want to step up. You know, for them they're probably on that fine line. So for someone like that, how do they kind of make that choice? Yeah. So the well, I mean, odds are the first couple of times you do it, you're going to smoke yourself. I mean, it's just the way it is. So you don't want to do it really close to your event. You got to leave yourself some some wiggle room. 
until you learn what you can handle, you make a few mistakes. So that, that means, you know, your, those early camps, you probably want to give yourself, like Johnny was saying, you know, you, you want that four to five weeks just to kind of regroup, absorb the camp. If you're going to, you know, if, if, if you're going to totally blow it and get sick, you got time to recover from that and then do another mini block before your race. Um, the, the thing that you want to look at is just look at how fast you can get back to normal training. And let me just give you a practical example. So let's say a listener is rolling along at 12 hours a week. If they do 12 hours a week, three weeks in a row, they're going to get 36 hours of training done. If they overload up to 22 hours and then the next week's going to be six hours and then they get sick and they go four hours then they might actually get less work done relative to just keeping rolling that same week. And, and that's why when you're starting out, the shorter camps are the better way to play it. So, you know, like a three-day camp or a four-day camp to really see how you're going to tolerate it. Because even if you drill yourself three days in a row, you're going to be feeling fine in a week and there's not going to be that big a cost. Um, and that would be how I'd play it. So look how fast you can get back to normal. Okay, good. Um with regards to intensity, you talked a bit about, you know, it varies a bit from athlete to athlete, you know, the bigger guy versus the, the little scrawny scrawny girl or, or however the, their body type is, is made up. You know, a lot of people these days are just so religiously tied to their heart rate monitor or their power meter. You know, what, what's your advice in terms of if you're going into an overload camp and let's say, for example, it's a it's a six to eight day camp, so it's quite a, or even possibly longer, a, a longer one. What's your sort of advice these days in terms of what you should be doing with your heart rate monitor, your power meter, as mm-hmm. you sort of go through the camp and as you get progressively more tired? Okay, so it, you really can't go wrong so long as you stay under your half Ironman average effort, heart rate, power, pace. Okay, so whatever you can deliver. For a half Ironman, if you stay under that, you can just go all out. Now, the reality is... I was going to say, an epic camp, were we doing that? <laughs> yeah, the reality is the only person that gets to do that is the strongest person at the camp, and you need to be way stronger than everybody to pull it off. So if you've got issues controlling yourself, do your camps with weak people because they're going to kill themselves, and you won't have to kill yourselves. So... <laughs> I mean, seriously, I mean, that. Why, why do you think Epic Camp was great for me when I was an elite? Because everybody got me out of bed. I went harder than I normally would, but I still wasn't going hard as everybody else because I was, I, you know, I was at a slightly higher level. And, that, and, and that's why we originally kind of started it and we got going with it. The other thing, though, is, too, it's a camp. The idea of the camp is to learn, to make mistakes, to have fun. And, you know, I mean, you can't just be sitting there going, well, the group's going up the road right now because I can't go over 145 beats today. I mean, you got to take some chances. You're going to learn. And what you will find out is that you can do a whole lot more if you follow the tips that I gave, you know, in the article, which is if, if all you're doing each day is training, you'll be amazed at the amount of training you can do. Mm. So all the other stuff in your life generates a lot of fatigue that's invisible to you while you're in your normal life and you just get rid of all that go to a training camp let somebody else take care of it and you're like wow you know i feel better but i'm doing twice the work that i would normally do in terms of structuring the week um 
uh, if somebody is again say let's use the example they're doing a you know six to eight day training camp obviously it's going to vary a lot if they start doing point to point things but if they're going to stay in and you know either one or two bases for that you know mm-hmm. do you generally recommend swim bike run every day long ride one day half Ironman the next day what's your sort of general advice around that you know generally you know if you got if you if you take the number of days and you subtract one. Uh, so for instance, let's say six day camp. So you're going to do five swims, five rides and five runs, and you just split them up across the six days. I think that's good. Something we found for those longer camps is you really want to have an easy day on day four. Uh, because if you do that, then day five and six can be quality. If you don't do that, day five and six are going to be low quality, or if they're high quality, you're so buried at the end of the six days, you're going to have to take about eight days off to kind of regroup. Um, and those would be the tips. If somebody wants a specific example, I sort of I let, there's a link on that article, and I built up a training plan, a, a block, and I set the price at less than ten bucks, so anybody could buy it and just have a look if they want to look at kind of a sample for themselves. Um, but if somebody doesn't want to pay, I lay out all the workout distances and stuff in the article for free. Um, you've got some very good in the article, um, just some key principles. I don't know if you've got them handy. I've got them here. If you, oh, yeah. But, yeah, uh, I got There were some, some good ones there, I thought. Yeah, so number one, leave your normal life when training big. Um, you've got to get away. The reason being is, there's always an excuse to blow off training when you're tired and something will come up and it will, it'll be legit. I mean, something legitimate will come up and the only way to get rid of that is just leave town. And, um, you know, there's a lot of examples of that with the elites. Um, you know, Peter Reed used to go live on the side of the volcano here in Kona and just drive down, uh, do his training and then drive up back up the volcano um, you know, Dave Scott was well known for going to Steamboat Springs and isolating himself and doing training there. The other thing is go to where your cycling weather is pleasant. So the desert is good. You, you, you want to make sure that you can ride in a place where you're not getting drilled all the time. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's, you know, that's the attraction. That's why elites change he- hemispheres because they're going to where the bike weather is good. Especially, I also, especially when you're getting mentally weak as well, isn't it? You wake up and it's pouring with rain outside on day five, you know, like it's easy to kind of think you stay in bed. Yeah, and, and if, you're, if you're at home and it's not a point-to-point yeah. ride, you, you're not going to do the same quality ride. And that's why we would always do point-to-point, uh, you know, for Epic, because when we're all wrecked, there's just no choice. Nobody wants to take a ride. You just got to get out there and take, take the weather. Mm. Um, I, I like to live across the street from the pool if possible, like if I'm going somewhere. Um, because that convenience of just being able to walk quickly to the pool mm. when you're tired is good. And I always like to put the sport that I tend to blow off first. So I try and do that before breakfast. So if you find you tend to skip swims or, or skip runs or whatever, lead off with that. Final thing is don't check your email and don't go online until you've done all your training for the day. The reason, Because let that stuff wait. This is a training camp. You're focused on that. And you want to keep your mind clear. You don't want to be thinking about the office or, or what's going on or have any distractions there. Um, and stay balanced. You know, I think a lot of, you know, one of the things we found in Epic Camp was that people can expect more from themselves with the swim in particular. You can swim every day when you're riding big 
and it's not going to kill you. It's going to it's going to get it done. And for Ironman, I think that's something for the experienced athlete to swim big and bike big in a week is very doable and it's safe. We've we've seen it as well tolerated. I mean, your pace might fall down. You might do some zombie swimming, but you can still get it done and get something from that. Four hundred on zombie. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you remember those four K minimums? I mean, it was just like zombie swimathon. Everybody's like head to toe going around in Australia. It's about forty C out. That's when we changed the rules. We're like, this is getting silly. And then the final thing is, you know, in the last two days, you're going to be tempted to kind of go crazy. And I think you got to hold yourself back a little bit uh, in those things, particularly if you're close to a race, because you you just want to get the camp done, do it well, recover. And then either do your race or if you don't have a race that's two weeks out, well, then you're going to do a pretty challenging race-specific session, maybe two weeks after your camp and then lead into a race. Um, we're just going to have a break here for Coffees of Hawaii. Oh, you, want to do, you want to do a break no, here? We're going to break and then we'll come back. Okay. So we're just breaking from Gordo right here because uh, we're going to talk about Coffees of Hawaii. Now, if you, ever, if you haven't been on there before to try it, in terms of pricing... This is how it works. Oh, well, this is for. Tell me. No, I'm yeah, excited. I'm excited. Yeah, yeah. For the Hawaiian espresso, because I went into the Molokai coffees, because that's where Coffees of Hawaii is based in Molokai. Um, savor our dark roasted. This is a Hawaiian espresso, espresso. Savor our dark roasted beans in a single or double shot espresso, or as the gusto of a cafe latte gusto. mocha, cappuccino, or cafe americano. But in terms of what things cost, for a two ounce um, bag, it's three dollars fifty. Eight ounce, thirteen fourteen. And for a two pound bag, forty eight thirty four. And for a five pound bag, ninety two seventy five. And I'm sure if you do the maths on all that stuff, it's going to be use the IM Talk codes, and you're going to get a nice discount off that. Very nice pricing. And we've just also heard about Gordo's. Uh, going to hear about Gordo's favourites in a second. Well, quickly, just a quick fact. Oh, coffee fact. You need your coffee fact. You've got to have your coffee Americano, fact. John. The term Americano comes from the American GIs during World War II. They would order espresso. 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 Jeez, you fire people up when you say that. Sorry, sorry, people. Uh, with water to dilute the strong flavour. Ah. Yeah, so there you go. So so Americans can't handle the hard coffee, eh? The hard stuff. So if you want to get those discount codes, go to imtalk.me, click on the Coffees of Hawaii um, logo, and it'll go through. Main ones are imtalk, and then there's some other ones if you want to get the automated delivery coming to you every time soon. Here's Gordo. So we're back with Gordo right now, and uh, we just had a little Coffees of Hawaii break there. You like that, John? Yes. Any, any particular Coffees of Hawaii favourites you've got, Gordo? But of course, oh, yeah. Grind, or? Yeah, no, he does this uh, Molokai espresso. Yeah. And uh, that's really smooth. I like that. Smooth. I like that. We, um, so I put up a, few, a question on Facebook to see if, if other guys um, had any questions for, for Gordo. Um, so Michael Yeager, let's say the camp is nine weeks out from your Ironman and you have a three-day weekend for training camps. Um, it can start early Thursday and uh, after work include Friday, Saturday, Sunday. What does it look like to include cross-training, um, like yoga or CrossFit, open water swimming, um, things like that? Yeah, so nine weeks out is actually, I mean, it's, in, it, it's a little bit too far out in, in my view. I mean, if you're, if you're thinking I want to do something, I'm going to take some holiday and try and impact my race. Nine weeks is a little bit too far out. Um, so in that, in, in that case, what I would recommend uh, Michael does is try and shift it five weeks out. Um, do a camp five weeks out uh, and then do a broken 
Ironman weekend three weeks out. And what I mean by broken Ironman weekend would be, you know, uh, on the Saturday, it's big swim. The bike ride is the duration that you expect to ride uh, for your Ironman. And then you get off the bike, you do a 10K transition run. And then you do a long run on Sunday uh, just to just to check in on your Ironman bike pacing. Um, for that overload uh, kind of long weekend, uh, what I there's a question later on. Um, that James had, as well as uh, Simon had, and I laid out, when we get to those, I'll I'll lay out a structure that'll work uh, for Michael. So key tip for Michael, move your overload closer to your race, Um, and if you're going to overload, overload what you're going to need the most for the race. And for Ironman, it's probably going to be bike volume. Uh, It sounds like you're in Florida. If you're doing Ironman Florida, then it's going to be flat bike volume. And you want to come out of that overload weekend with a really good idea of what your bike pacing is going to be. And a good way to do that is on one of those days. So let's, you know, you're going Thursday after work. Uh, you're, going to tra- you're, going to, you're going to transition to wherever your uh, venue is. And then on Friday, I like to make that a normal kind of shakeout day. So it's swim, bike, and run, nothing too demanding. Saturday, like to do a really challenging swim and then follow that by a 200K ride where you're going to have a lot of that ride done bang on what you think Ironman pacing is and then get off the, uh, get off the bike from that ride, do 10K run with your heart rate at the bottom of your steady zone and see how blown out you are relative to what your normal training pace is. If you're completely wrecked, then you know that what you think is Ironman pace is not Ironman pace. It gives you a good view on your nutrition and your hydration. And then on Sunday, I would just run, say, 13 miles, 20 to 21K, relatively easy, uh, to, easy to steady. And again, just see how you feel. And that type of overload, you'd be feeling normal again, most likely by Wednesday or Thursday, and then you go back into your uh, routine. Gordo, just as a side note, what's your thoughts on cross-training, I mean CrossFit for um, Ironman? Are you an instructor, Bevy? No, I think it's, I, I think it would be a terrible thing to do for Ironman. Oh, okay. I was just checking. I, you know, it's your show. I didn't want to come, didn't want to come across too hard. <laughs> okay, well, I did – you know, when I, when I used to live down with you guys, I, I, my winters – I had one winter in particular where I hit yoga really hard. In other words, eight – and a half hours of yoga each week across the, uh, you know, an eight to 10 week block. I felt it really, really helped me in terms of my bike position, my running economy, and just how I felt. That said, you know, I had the luxury of, you know, I was an elite athlete and all I did was train. I had time, you know, and it it was fantastic. So the yoga was very beneficial. Um, That said, you know, for an age group athlete, is it worth dropping a run session to do a CrossFit session or a yoga session? No way. Uh, I think I think doing you know three sessions that are about fifteen minutes long of general flexibility work or muscle activation. There's something in my book going along that's called the hip progression, where I lay out a routine that takes ten to fifteen minutes. If you do that two or three times a week, I think that would make a difference. But the reality is. Most of us are operating so far below our, you know, what we need to achieve 
in, in, in volume terms and in load terms that taking out swim, bike, and run to do yoga or CrossFit doesn't make sense most of the year. Yeah, now, there are some exceptions. Uh, I think functional strength training is great uh, through the winter and the spring for if somebody has really nasty weather to contend with, and so they're going to be limited volume-wise anyhow. Likewise, for somebody that deals with a really hot summer, I think trying uh, some other stuff in July and August, Northern Hemisphere, if you live in Central Florida or Georgia, you know, trying new things across your summer uh, as opposed to going out and just giving yourself a lot of heat stress uh, makes sense. I'm not big on the hot yoga, uh, although some of my athletes really enjoy it and they actually find it restorative. I, I like cool, cold, you know, cool room yoga where I'm mainly doing floor work. Um, so it's more uh, restorative yoga and muscle activation. Uh, that tends to be how I, I take that. Nice. Patrick Chalmers, so I have a week of um, off work to train full-time um, in an Ironman season. Normally I can handle 12 to 14 hours of training with a TSS of around 1,000. How much can I safely do during a training camp week? You've kind of addressed this already, but what's your thoughts there? Yeah, you know, I, I think uh, I think look at, look at the – Look at, the, look at a week where you double your TSS for the week, primarily with bike volume. Just have a look at that. Set that up and see if that looks totally crazy. If, if that looks insane, then dial it back. But generally what I find is if, if, your CTL, if you, you can double your CTL for uh, you know, a, a six-day uh, camp – but, you, but lay it out first because one of the things is, you know, if, if Patrick is a, a relatively high average intensity athlete, um, then just doubling those higher intensity sessions, he's, he could, depending on the size, depending on how big he is, he could run into some real issues. Uh, but if he's a, a smaller athlete, a younger athlete, somebody that's going to recover quickly, you can do quite a lot of overload and, and be safe uh, with that. So my advice is, Look at what doubling your TSS implies uh, for this big week, and then you're probably going to have to scale back a little bit from that. Likewise, the safest place to overload is going to be on the bike. Swimming is also very safe to overload, particularly if you're just going to swim every day. And you got to be cautious on the running, particularly when you're tired. Mm. Um, That can be where you can get things. The final tip. Uh, make sure your pedals and cleats are really stable. One of the things, we, there's always somebody at a training camp that comes with old cleats and they're kind of rattling, and the increase in the bike volume triggers Achilles tendonitis in them. Uh, and so just make sure that platform's really stable on your bike. Um, Eric Branded, Branded is just saying he's got a five-day camp in March to prepare for in 2012 growth <sighs> season. Like Patrick, I also have a, handle a max of around 14 hours of or a thousand TSS. I'm pretty much wondering the same thing. However, my camp will be limited solely to a cycling versus a tri camp. Yeah, so different event. So um, you know, if you're if you're getting somebody ready for an early season Ironman, you're going to overload them with a ton of volume. Uh, Eric needs to have a look at his past profile. Is he a volume responder or is he a, uh, an intensity responder? And adjust the camp appropriately. Uh, I think as well, you need to be looking at where the race is relative to the camp. So if if it's a March camp and he doesn't want to be in peak form until, you know, May or later in the season, then obviously it's going to have much more of a volume focus. But if he's planning early April events and the camp's set up to 
get him ready for that, well, then he needs to be paying attention to, you know, having some intensity in there, some shorter days uh, where he's going to kind of wind it up and do some race specific work. So it would depend on where the first key events are in Eric's season. Mark Johnson, I read this when he tweeted, and it sounds good swimming aside, I could achieve the distances, but the article was aimed at Kona qualifiers. This is referring to Gordo's article on endurancecorner.com. What percentage should we drop um, time or distance in each discipline if we're just aiming for a PB and we're a regular age grouper? Okay, well, first off, if the swimming seems crazy, you got to do the swimming. And uh, And I would recommend that Mark starts every day with a swim. Because he may have a mental limiter with thinking what he can achieve with the swimming. If, if you can get out of the water after 2.4 miles and feel like you've done nothing, like it's the warm-up of the day, everything's easier. Your digestion on the bike's easier. You're not depleted at all, which means a lot more energy for the run. So these types of camps are great to, to swim every day. Um, now, coming into the specifics, I would say just take your base week. And by base week, I mean what's your average week, say, for the last six weeks that you do leading into the camp. That's your base week. Not not what you're shooting for, but what you've actually done. Double your bike volume in that week. Assume that you swim daily and hold your run frequency, but drop the length of each run. So just shorten the runs down to 20 to 40 minutes each. Have a look at what that week looks like. That's a really safe place to start for your first camp. You're, you're really unlikely to, to you know, bury yourself or anything on that. The other thing is if you want some more specifics, if you go to endurancecorner.com, you go to the library, there's a section called Try Training Tips. And there's two articles there. One's called Big Week Training and the other one's called Big Day Training. And that would let Mark have some more specifics uh, just on how to build it up. Okay, nice. James the Boys, one of the boys to tell, was going to South of France for four days of riding. Mountains don't exist where he lives. And so how would you recommend structuring the training riding when he gets there? How would you suggest that he adding triathlon training components? Also, any tips around organizing and organization and rest? Okay, yeah. I mean, first thing on organization, stay someplace where they make you breakfast and dinner. That's what we try and do. And then you don't need to worry about shopping and you can get, you know, you just have lunch on the road, uh, either at, you know, a grocery store you just buy some stuff for a sandwich or you stop and do the full sit down, which is always nice in France. You can like have cappuccino on the whole deal. Mm-hmm. Um, now look, you go into France, you want to roll up as many coals as you can. South of France, maybe you're based in Nice. There's a lot of great climbing there. I think he's I would say, he's oh, right. oh, he is. Yeah. 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 Oh. Sure is. yeah. Well, just, uh, just, just, just tell, just ask Ian what to do. He'll know. But <laughs> if, if, if you want my opinion, so before you, before you go, you're going to have to freshen your legs a little bit up. So crank the swimming up. Um, you know, say the last three days before you go put two big swims in there and then you're not going to need to worry about your swimming. Um, every morning before you ride, get your run done 20 to 40 minutes before breakfast, uh, then have your breakfast. And then for the rides, I'd say ride as much as you can for, for a a four day camp, just get as many done two, three coals a day. Um, you know, get out there and go big, have your routes set out in advance. Point to point is easiest when you're tired. Uh, when you're set, laying out routes, if you're used to riding in the flat, remember that your average speed is going to be 50 to 65% of what you can do at home. Mm-hmm. But when you factor in fatigue and stuff like that, so if you can, you know, if, if 75 miles is normal at home, you try and do 75 miles in the Pyrenees, it's going to be a big wake up call. Um, for recovery, three light days when you return home, then do your normal training week 
but don't worry about any main sets for the first three to five days of that week. So in other words, what that would give you is you're going to have a swim focus, then you're doing a four-day camp, three light days, and then three to five normal days, but don't worry about the main sets. If you're feeling tired, don't push it, and, and try and avoid doing any bonus intensity. One of the challenges when we go back to our normal lives from a training camp is we get used to these really high work rates and you go back into your normal life and you, you try and keep the camp going in your normal life and that's a mistake. You get too tired and then you crash. Mm. Uh, so you got to kind of hold yourself back and what would it be? It'd be like de, uh, deprogram yourself from the camp and just kind of settle back into your normal week. But ideally, 10 to 14 days after the camp, you're going to notice a bump and all your training pace is going to go up a little bit relative to heart rate. Um, last one we've got here is from Come On, Ellen. Come on, Ellen. Don't you mean Simon? Simon Allen? <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought it was Simon. Yeah. <laughs> Simon Allen. Um, he, was, he was sort of asking a bit about heart rate. You know, he's got his, uh, whether he should stay in, his, in, in zone one when he's out, out there training. He's recently done a ramp test. But I think one of the things we, we recognise on the, on the camps is, um, certainly on Epic camps, is after a few days, you know, heart rate is a good indicator for the first couple. But after that, um, your heart rate generally is, uh, is fairly That's safe, all- so it's not, not necessarily the best measure. That's awesome, isn't it? I mean, you know, the, the first day, the guys are doing 90 minutes above functional threshold, and then by day, <laughs> day four, they think they're rock stars because they're, you know, they're doing 240 watts at a heart rate of 123 because they're so tired. Yeah, um, yeah so I, actually, I kind of broke it up uh, for Simon, um, and uh, I actually kind of laid out some camps. I'll say it, but when you guys post this, what I'm going to do is I'll, I'll also uh, I'll post up a link to what I'm about to lay out, and then maybe you guys can just retweet it out to them. Yeah. So camp one is going to be the first camp to get ready for this July race. And what I would say there is you have, similar to what I said earlier, you're going to have Friday, you might do a swim, bike, run day. It's going to be moderately long. Um, no real main sets. You just try and swim, bike, and run. Have that be a long day. Saturday, I'd say you could start with a long run and then do a shorter, easier bike. Sunday, your legs might be feeling a little bit tired from Saturday. So I recommend you start with an easy swim. And then you follow that with the longest bike ride of the camp. And you do a short transition run. Monday, you're going to be tired. So it's a good time to challenge yourself with a solid swim in the morning. Uh, then I would, because your heart rate's likely to be suppressed, like Johnny said, I would head into the hills. And I would do a hills ride where you let the hills do the work. In other words, the fact that you're going uphill will get the heart rate up. You'll have a better heart rate response. And then I'd finish off with, say, a 10K transition run off of that. Now, the nice thing about that structure is, depending on what your weather is, if you get, if it looks like you're going to get rain on Sunday or Monday, you could use that long run day and just slide it onto your rainy day. And then you, all you need is three days where you got reasonable weather for, for, for the key rides. And I would end that about uh, two weeks out from this uh, July race. Then for the September race, much different type of camp uh, because your endurance is going to be well established, your stamina is going to be well established. And here, I would be thinking more race specific. And by that Friday, I would open with an aquathon. I know Johnny loves the aquathon. Uh, yeah. So ideally with some buddies. So you, you kind of smash yourself a bit. And I'd go 1,500 meters for the swim and then a 10K run. 
which is a you know a real solid session. And then you know maybe ride easy in the hills for two hours, uh, you know after lunch. Uh, Saturday, I'd kick off with an easy run in the morning, and then I would do a group ride with some intervals in it, and then have an easy swim in the evening. Sunday, I would do a long endurance swim, ride hills, transition run, for the same reasons that I talked about in Camp 1. Then on Monday, the final day of the camp, easy run in the morning, but then the main event would be a 30K time trial, ideally rolling. Uh, and ideally with friends and staggered send-off, and you kind of get yourself a little bit excited, so it's a really good effort. And then I'd finish off with just a loose and swim. So there's a lot more racing there, lower volume, uh, a lot more, much higher average intensity for the bike workouts. And I think that would, would give Simon a good, good bang for uh, his buck. I'd suggest changing those aquathon distances to about a 3K swim and about a 7K ride, run. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I, I just thought it was fair. I mean, it could be whatever. But I think the, the idea is you want it's, – it's not a 200-meter swim and a 2K yeah. aquathon. The idea with the aquathon is really threshold or above and to get the heart rate right up early in the camp uh, when you're fresh. And so you get some racing in you, and, and I think that's good. And then he, he was asking, you know, about heart rate. Again, same tips that I gave earlier. If you're staying for your endurance work, stay under that half Ironman average effort is safe. And then for your TTs and the races in camp two, I think those are real races. Do, you know, best average effort. You know, go fast for those. And, you know, at the end of those, you want to be close to max heart rate. I mean, the, at the end of the 10K run, you want to get up pretty close to max heart rate. Same thing with the 30K TT. I mean, the last... That last 15K, the second half of that TT should be pretty uncomfortable. Uh, you know, you want to be going quick. Mm. One, one other last question. Bevan always tries to get the last question in. One it? last question, Gordon. But, but uh, just around nutrition, because um, we see this at, at, at Oh, yeah. Is, uh, it is pretty hard to, to, to hold on to good nutrition as you're getting completely and utterly fried. Um, well, people do overeat as well. Yeah, overeat. So, so just some general tips around nutrition and, and how to – look after yourself during the camp and also after the camp as well. Mm. Well, the folks listening to this show are going to go one of two ways when they're under stress. They're either eaters or depleters. So you need to know what you are. If, if you're an eater, when you get fried, you, what's going to happen is you're going to gravitate towards uh, you know, sugar and starch. Uh, and you're going to start holding water. And, and actually, at, at Epic, we used to see guys looking like little sausages by, say, day you know, seven or something because they're just holding so much water. I've been there myself. I mean, I get this sumo thing going in my lower gut if I eat too much toast. Um, I, I don't tolerate gluten too well. So the, the key thing is lots of little meals. And you've got to be thinking about your nutrition across the day. And if you have efforts or races – you don't want to be throwing down a lot of protein before you're going to do a high-intensity effort. So in the low-intensity parts of the day, you need to be digesting. Likewise, for these long camps, you're talking, you want to try and have five to seven meals across the day, lots of little meals so that you're going to be able to process. The challenge is not getting 3,000 calories in for a meal. The challenge is getting a lot of calories in all the way across the day. And when it starts getting really big, you're even going to need fluids as well as a snack uh, in case you wake up halfway through the night. Because uh, you your stories about that, Gordo. That's it. We can, we, can all, we can all meet in the kitchen at 2 a.m. for Nutella sandwiches. <laughs> 
The other thing is if you tend to be a depleter, so somebody that doesn't eat a whole lot and really, you know, you kind of got a little bit of endurance anorexia going on and that was your attraction to Ironman. Um, there's a little bit of that in all of us. You, then you're going to have to get over the fact that if you want to train big, you're going to need to eat big. And that's one of the things I really like about Kona is people have this goal that has such magnetism for them that they can overcome some some really deep psychological challenges uh, with this dream of of getting to world champs. And it can be it can be a good experience for people that can overcome stuff. I mean, I know through my own racing, it really helped me get comfortable with a lot of things. Uh, so it was good. So at Endurance Corner, you've got uh, – what, what are your camps have we got lined Don't up? organize your own camp. Go to Gordo's camp. That's, that's exactly. the message. Oh, yeah. Well, if you guys bring it up. Yeah, we'd love to have them. Yeah, come to our Tucson camp. Uh, it's late Feb. Uh, we still have a couple uh, slots. Uh, spring training in Tucson. Uh, we're going to do uh, – you know, we get Mount Lemon in, uh, the biggest ride. We ride out to Kitt Peak. Uh, and then we come back in on the desert. We also do Madeira Canyon and Gates Pass. We get a lot of stuff in on that one. And then in June, we do our Boulder Camp, which is great because we get to bring in some really high-quality speakers. We've had T.O., uh, we had Rennie, uh, Chrissy's Come By, um, Crowey, Matt Reed. We've had, we get some great people for that camp. Uh, and it just depends on who's in town. Uh, and how smooth I am, and if I'm not smooth enough, I get my wife Monica to uh, ask and see if they'll come by and talk to us. Pretty smooth, mate. I'm sure they'll be there. <laughs> so, well, well, definitely some of them will be there. That's yeah. for sure. Cool. Um, and in terms of your racing for you this season, what are we going to? Where are we going to see you? Uh, kind of depends. Uh, California's coming up, uh, and then after that, I'll do some local stuff around around Boulder. Um, but we'll just we'll just see. I'm not uh, going to see how the whole family thing goes. Having a three-year-old in the house is a whole different dynamic, uh, as you probably know, Johnny. Yes. Uh, so you can't have Albany to take you down too regularly, you know. He, he is. Oh, well, he's been looking forward to this. He's been saying for years, just you wait till you, those kids grow up. <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't tell me why. It's funny. He just All he said was that. And I was like, what's he talking about? Anyhow, now I know what he's talking about. <laughs> I think his youngest is about to finish high school, and so Albert's going to be crushing it. Um, yeah, so if you're in the 45 to 49, enjoy. And if you're in the 50 to 54, know that he's coming soon. Exactly. exactly. A place near you. Awesome. For anybody who wants to find out more about Gordo, any of the camps, go to endurancecorner.com. Among other things, they've got lots of great blogs and, and coaching and stuff on their site, so endurancecorner.com. Check it out. Ethlings, what's up? Haven't heard it, John. So, oh, we're getting tired. We've been here since two o'clock. It's now four thirty. In the morning, yeah. we've been here, for, you know, for fourteen hours. Ethlings.com. One thing I want to say here is, if you, it's always going to work best if you get your mates involved. So this week's challenge, we're going to set some challenges. You put your belly away. Have you got a sweetie relevant? No, I haven't. Maybe you can, so I'm going to open the door. You keep talking. So it's going to, I think it's going to be one of those things. It's going to work best if you get your mates involved. So then you can set your rivals up and you can lay a bit of smackdown talk. So this week's thing, invite, Bevan's just doing a big star out there, getting the sweaty armpits out. Invite a few mates onto Athlinks. If you know they're into it and you know they've done plenty of races, get them on there. And, oh, jeez, here we go. A bit of music. Get them involved in Athlinks and you can set up your rivals and you can lay down some smackdown talk. Um, one other thing that I certainly started doing with Athlinks a little while back when I was actually running last year is you can link your, your results. Well, you're not going to put that in last week. I'm certainly not <laughs> claiming that last result. I can tell you that right now. Um, 
you can link it up with Facebook, so export it up there because obviously not everybody um, is going to go into athletes that aren't athletes. But if you want to just get publicise your, your results, there's a little link you can put on there, and then and it just publishes. Publicize, like, can you do your race report and publicise that on Facebook? Maybe you should try next time you do a race and see. I'm not sure. You're the one who did the last race. Maybe yes. you should put it up there. Yeah. So you can go in there give, and uh, just share it onto Athlink, onto Facebook, and uh, then all your Facebook friends as well as your Athlink friends will all know about it. And you can do that so it happens automatically as well in your settings, can't you? Um, I think so. Yeah. So then, you know, just whenever you put your stuff up there, and you know, if you're someone like Hotel races every week, you probably won't do it because it'll get yeah. annoying. Yeah. But if you just want to do, you know, if you're racing every so often, you could do it that way. There you go. Athlinks.com. Okay. Pictures. Oh, we probably have a bit of music for this. Okay. Well, I'm worried about battery life here, John. <laughs> okay. Here's some music. With you, but I just felt like today was that day because okay. we just—you need your support. We're getting tired. Yeah, we are. We are getting tired. It was, it was kind of like we we're like two and a half hours in the marathon, a hip and our knees. <laughs> it's gone. I was still out there for another bloody forty-five <laughs> minutes or something. Was that the hard thing about it? Is because you, know, because you just are kind of over it and you just want to kind of. Well, that's. I, I was going to bring that up before as well when we were talking about Chrissy Wellington. Is that motivation factor? Is um, that's a big. Oh, yeah, thing. it's such a driver. And, you know, when I was standing on the start line of the, the marathon, you, know, you don't start till 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah, and also you don't know when you're starting. Yeah, and you've been out there watching the night before as well. There was a, a sprint distance, you know, elite race, and then you've been out watching the half people come in, and you've been standing around, nutrition hadn't been great, and training hadn't been great. <laughs> Motivation is not particularly high at the start of that race. <laughs> what was I thinking? Yeah, but I had an email in from a guy, coach, a while ago, and, and he was... Um, has a friend who's uh, trying to get to Kona, trains like a machine and is in phenomenal shape. However, she's unsatisfied with her races. Uh, she just did a 70.3 and said it was the hardest bike course she's done, but she still ran two hours off the, off the bike, and which was actually pretty respectable because I think she's, in the, she's 56. Um, so the question is, from a pro's perspective, how often do you nail a race in all segments? And, and what constitutes a good race, meaning you're happy with what you're doing and um, you're not going to beat yourself up about it? Because this is often we see people coming back from races um, always disappointed. And I'm sure you can, you can plug in here at some stage, you know, they're never, never happy. They're always, you know, the goalposts are moving and they're always come away um, dis- disappointed. So whereas for the, for the pro athletes who have, you know, for age groupers, they have to put all their eggs into one basket normally yep. and they race once, so they want to try to get it right. Um, but for pros, how do they sort of get around this and how do they evaluate their races and um, just try to be consistent? So I think from my perspective, and you know, when we did the interview with Aaron Baker, you know, I think you asked the question, you know, do you do you have any of those races that you really remember that were the yeah. best ones? And she just said, you know, you just get into a rhythm and you just you're just sort of flying and you're not really thinking about it. But I think if you ask a lot of pro athletes, that's only ever happened a handful of times in their career. When I raced, um, I'd say out of how many years I did fairly seriously, you know, I think I've only got say three races where I'd say the swim, bike, and run all went well on um, in, in a race. You know, often other times you have really good performances, but you might have a good swim day or and a good run day, but a crappy bike day. Um, so I think that's the first thing to recognise is it's pretty hard to nail all three together consistently. And it's that whole thing of like you got, I know I'm kind of stepping ahead here, but you've got expectations. And I think that's a really important thing because 
you know, like to, you, you, the problem is that most people set their expectations on each individual sport. So you go, okay, well, mm. in the pool, I'm able to swim this, so I should be able to do like a 54 in the swim. And then my bike's, my bike home, say I'm doing this. And then, and so you go in this expectation that you should be able to do each sport at this really high level when you're combining all three together. And really, it's, it's that, that expectation is almost setting you up for failure because. You want to kind of really think, well, what is a good expectation of all three? And then how will my thinking progress throughout the day to make sure I can have the best races possible? And so setting, I think that's a, that's a starting point, is set your expectations. Some people are really, they like doing goal setting, other people don't. But everybody has expectations mm. and goals, whether they write them down or not. But I think the key thing is, is, is as you said, make those goals realistic. And the biggest thing that I see people starting to do is they start moving the goalposts when they get closer to the race. And yeah. all of a sudden they think, oh, maybe I can do a, a sub, you know, sub seven. A, sub seven, <laughs> you know. Um, so I think that's really important is, is establishing those um, early on. Make sure they're realistic and um, still challenging. You know, you don't want goals you're always going to be able to reach without any dramas whatsoever mm. but there's still got to be realistic well i also think when it comes to goals is that the thing is and we, we've often talked about this in the past but you can't chase the time well you can't chase the time you want to chase the time you want a goal but really the goal should be around the decisions you're making on the day and so like you know early on in my career was always about trying to beat myself up and I was, that's what i was as an athlete but the the wiser i got in the sport or more as an endurance athlete the wiser i got into setting targets around making good decisions mm-hmm. and so like the Abel Tasman run I did a few months ago I, I there was one of those days where you just had a blinder you know mm-hmm. I'd made wise decisions all throughout the day that got me to the point the last point of the race where I could absolutely beat myself up got to the finish I knew I couldn't give anything more and it was really it wasn't really even chasing a time it was more how do I make good decisions that make me you know that process driven athlete kind of stuff and had you done that race um, you know a couple of years earlier you might have been able to your Physiology would have may have been better, so you might yeah. be able to run faster, but you may have run a, a not not a, not as good a race. I would, I would definitely like if I, if I go back to Time my early years, I would have because in that race, for example, fifteen guys took off, and I was just as quick as those guys. But I thought, no, no, my plan is to do this, and I, and mm. I trusted in my plan, and I ended up passing you know most or ten of those guys on the way home. So it's like. It's yeah, like uh, that's the thing. That's it's, it's pretty that you get wise and you lose your <laughs> your physical, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I think um, I think it's really important. As Ben's been saying, you know, look within yourself and look for improvements in yourself rather than it, it is a race. Um, but at, at the end of the day, you want to be trying to get faster yourself. Sometimes age does catch up on that. Yep. But for most people, if you're feeling new into the sport, even if you are getting yep, older, you should progress. still be able to get faster. Um, once you've been doing the sport for you know 10 years or so and, and age starts catching up, then it might be a little more challenge, uh, challenging. But for most of you guys, say if you're in your 40s and you're 45 and you might think, well, I'm getting older, if you're still feeling new to the sport, you should be able to still get quicker. Um, I think another key thing here is, is um, what have I got down here? Simulate um, as regularly as, as possible. So, you, you know, when you go into yeah. a race situation, it's not all going to be new to you. And I think often for, for newbies, racing is really, really important. Cause I just think the thing of racing is, is if you are going to spend, like I did a lot of time cycle racing when I was really into Ironman, and to actually use that as, and I know cycle racing is totally different to Ironman, but you can still learn experiences from being a racer. Mm. And I think the thing is, is don't just race, actually think Afterwards, what was the objective of the race? What was I trying to learn? What did I get from? Where can I improve? So actually, using some of that reflective time because we often do it after a, a, a race, don't we? We kind yes. of after a race, you do your, you know your review and you write up your report and stuff, and you know then you learn. And that process in itself teaches you so much about where you can improve moving forward. 
And it's funny how when we just do our local kind of tries or bike races or running events, how we don't kind of devote that energy, that same kind of energy to watching where we can grow. Mm. And so I kind of think that if you're going to be doing some any type of racing, they actually just sit in a plane. And it doesn't have to take long, we, but just where you sit down and you reflect on how do I grow as an athlete from this experience. There you go. You've jumped ahead of there. I've got planning is key and then tracking or evaluating is, is key as well. So, yeah, you learn something each time you go out there and do a race yeah. or even when you go out there and do a key session or if you go and do a training camp like we talked in Gordo, what, you know, what are the five key things that, that came out of that and, and also what are the things that you really balls up? If you balls up your nutrition two days in a row, you, know, you go back and do the same camp next year, you're a bit of a buffoon if you do the same thing again. Um, so, And the other thing is if you're constantly coming away from races and you're always not happy about it, you're probably not having that much fun out there. And triathlon is a lifestyle, so maybe you love training and not racing so much, but you've got to figure out a way where you yeah. can really you know, you can get some enjoyment out of that. And often you enjoy races more if you actually get the pacing right. You know, I know guys in running races tend to enjoy them a lot more when you don't go out and you don't blow up halfway through you're able to run a good steady pace and ideally maybe pick it up at the end um, but pacing is critical and that sort of stems oh, back and you to know that what? planning like process even, you know, and I think you know, talking about how more wiser as an athlete now although I'm not that much more physically as strong as what I was in the past you know, that's why it's kind of been the last race I've done over the last few years I've, I've actually loved every race mm-hmm. because other than the Christchurch Marathon I did a few years ago but all the rest of them I just started slow, build the wind up the coil, and then at the end of the race, I had a good amount of energy, and you're blowing past people, and that's fun, man. Oh, yeah. like, that's nothing beats when you're flying at the end, and everyone yeah. around you is just crumbled, and you just yeah. feel like Superman. Like that's what it's all about, eh? Oh yeah, yeah. So, mm. so there you go, little piece on uh, making sure you don't beat yourself up after races when you've actually may well have performed reasonably well, but okay. at the same time, if you have a crapper race, you can still learn plenty from it. Yep. It's, all, it's all about growing mm. personally, mm. inside and outside. Okay, questions uh, and answer. And Greg, Gabby, I sent through this one. I'll summarise this bit. Oh, you want to summarise it? Yes. Oh, okay. Because we, 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 uh, I, t- I had an idea today. I thought I heard noise. Um, <laughs> bing! <laughs> um, that was the one for the week. Uh, we've talked a bit about people with heart conditions and stuff of like mm. Gina Crawford, another one who yeah. won at the weekend. Um, but then you always say it's not that bad. Yes. Well, there's a little uh, on um, Gabrielle's got a bit of a blog. Site. Until you drop dot and I think it's a, a bit of a general sort of blog thing. But she's written a little piece there about um, about the conditions and what to sort of look out for. And then I'm what do you mean? What do you mean conditions? Is in the heart conditions? Yeah, if, like for? she said, she was lying in bed and was feeling beep 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 beep, beep and she was a little bit stressed about it. So she started looking into it and did a little bit of research and has posted that up there um, about. You pull a website up. I'm doing it right now, actually. And uh, and then she's got a link off 50 days, 50 runs in 50 days. Scroll down, it's the next one down. Okay, wait a second. The athlete's heart. There you go. She's got a normal heart and then she's got an enlarged enlargement of the heart muscle. And she's also going to have a link up there to the Oxford Journals, which is sort of a recent study which suggests there may be a risk associated with long-term exercise. She emailed it to us. Oh, she did a good job. Yeah. So it's just a summary of of things to look out for. She's a training mate of um, Madman Lord. There you go. We'll it's just kind of because the pop art kind of picture in her. You know. Yeah. Does she link to us? Let's have a look. Oh, where's the link? Where's the love? Jeez. Basically, she might be down here somewhere. Okay, we'll just do that next time, okay? Yeah. <laughs> Run to your drop.pogspot.com. Okay, guys. Well, last sponsor, sponsor is Extreme, Extreme Endurance. Endurance. And you know what you can do, John? 
Because it's, it's a simple formula. You take so many tablets a day. Six a day. Sometimes it's, sometimes eight when you're getting close to a race. Well, you want to kind of top it up a little bit closer yeah, to the yeah, race. Yeah. And you want to kill that performance. Yeah. So you're Superman at the end and you kill the performance. And you just want to make sure that you don't have to worry about reordering it. Yes. And what you can do, John, is you can get a recurring delivery and it just turns up in your letterbox. It's a nice little surprise. It's, uh, well, the other nice little thing is it's cheaper. It's cheaper as well. recurring. And yeah, that's pretty good. Discount, and there, but then you get a discount as well for if you use the code ADIM Talk, that gives you a discount. So the IM Talk code, I don't think, works with their recurring delivery. So you use the code ADIM Talk. What do they get for that? I think it's twenty percent. That's pretty good deal. That's a good deal, but it makes it cheap, cheaper to do it. She links. She links to in- Extreme Endurance. Oh no, no, she links to Endurance Corner. Oh God! Where's the love? It's love, Gabrielle. We might edit that part out of the show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Joe Carrot. Where's the love, Jackie V? Oh my goodness! Good old Devo's uh, Jevons bloody Ironman blog. <laughs> so back to extreme endurance. Yeah, um, you can get. To, when we, last week we talked about the little widget inside the bottle. Make sure you get one of those bad boys to to, to scrunch up your execute and go through imtalk.me. Click on the extreme endurance logo. And, and you know what, what's really fascinating is that we get so many emails from listeners saying how they get on it. Consistently. Yeah, man. It's and I'm getting yeah. more now from the Skeptic Society. Oh, are you? Yeah. Ooh. So I've had guys. Like letterhead. Yeah. <laughs> who guys, oh, I'm, bugger, I'm just going to try it just because you guys are doing yeah. a really good podcast and I'll give it a go. Um, medical professionals and so on. Who's, really? Yeah. And they've said, hey. Hey. This is actually, uh, this is actually doing some good. And so, hey, it's a, it's skeptical society's onto it. It's a skeptical society's onto it. It's a it must be good. So, check it out extremeendurance.exendurance.com for the world's best lactic buffer. Sponsors, John? Exendurance.com. The world's best lactic buffer. Athlinks.com. Um, um, tell your friends. And coffeesofhawaii.com. Um, what was my fact? Oh, Americano. Yeah. yeah, Americanos can't handle the hard stuff. Can't handle the hardcore. Okay, John, well, we've only got a few more minutes, so we're going to have to wrap this one up quickly. What happens is when we, we've got this really awesome audio technica set up nowadays, and the problem is we have to power – we bought a mixer, and I have to power the mixer with my laptop because it, it just goes by USB, which is pretty cool. But why can't I have my laptop plugged into its power source while recording the show? Because it creates this buzzy noise. And normally I fully charge the laptop overnight as John comes in because we record early. But today, the combination of us recording late and doing two shows in a row and me using the computer throughout the day means we're running out of time. I've got a solution. I've got a plug at home that you can plug USBs into. Oh, have you? Plug it into the wall. Bring it on, tampon. Haven't used that one for a while. <laughs> to the next 10 packs. <laughs> <laughs> haven't even heard that one before. There's something about an applicator as well, but I need to learn that one. Uh, I love it. People get really disgusted. Like, Bevan, I, I really like Bevan, but then he said that saying. <laughs> Do you know what I get annoyed about, Bevan? What you, tell me, John. This really frustrates me. As you go to race and um, you've got Good the atmosphere. Yeah, you've got the port loose, which are never the most pleasant places. No, do you to look do. down? I tell you, can I tell a really gross story? Well, <laughs> might not be appropriate for a podcast, but I'm going to do it. At a race I was commentating recently, it might have been the Elite Nationals, went to the toilet. And the problem is you're trapped, aren't you? Because you walk in and the view is where you look at. Yeah. You can't yeah. help it, and then you don't want to look, but you just kind of just. Uh. There's a lot of red happening. Oh, <laughs> well, I've got. I'm not, happy, I'm not happy when people clearly don't sit down on the toilet. What do you mean they miss it? And they get it all over the seat. Like number twos? Yeah. Number twos on yes. the seat? Yeah, number twos I on the have, seat. This has happened to me the last couple of events I've How been to. I'm just like, 
I just don't know. That's what I'm trying to fathom. I'm like, do you think maybe they're not I'm, trying to touch the seat so they, yeah. they do the squat instead? I'm really not sure. Oh. I think a, it's like a, a, like it's a lot bad. of number twos. Enough to make you don't want to sit down on the seat. That's for sure. Well, that's probably the thing. One person does it, and the next person has to do it. Next thing you know, it's just disgusting. If you're going to the public, if you're going to one of those toilets, tidy up after yourself or flipping. Yeah, but then again, I think I'd rather go on there, see some number twos on the seat, than someone who's done it and then tidied up after themselves. Because then technically you're sitting in their number twos. And <laughs> <laughs> when nobody wants that. Oh, we're finishing on a high. <laughs> too, we've been here for like two, three hours. Three hours now. <laughs> uh, oh, how's, how's your holiday going? Go, I'm lying on that beach. <laughs> great. Oh, we're, we're all class, we are. Next week. No, no tomorrow. 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 <laughs> Legend, Legend, Legend of Triathlon. Triathlon comes out. And, and just while we're on that, the Blue 70 wetsuit. Yes. Yes. You've got to go on the internet next week. I will have to go on the internet. There'll be a Blue 70 wetsuit up next week um, through the Legends of Triathlon podcast. And it's going to be a killer deal. It's a Helix. It's always Last a killer deal. Last time it went way too cheap. So if, you're, yeah. if you're looking to buy way a wetsuit right below. now, seriously, check out the Legends of Triathlon podcast. Yep. And I'll put a post up on Facebook. And, yep. And we'll put it on Facebook. It'll be on eBay. It's a deal to be done. And it ships anywhere in the world. No problems with that. And Legends of Triathlon, so it comes out tomorrow, and we've got Simon Whitfield on the show. It is. And I've got a lot of editing to do. Yes, because we could keep cutting out. Um, and you've got to cut out the F word that I. One oh, stage. I do when do I have to do that? Oh, I don't know. You have to listen to it. Oh, I'm not going to listen to the whole thing. Because we thought it cut out, and I, I used the F word, and then it hadn't cut out. So yeah, he's carried came, on. He came, didn't he? Oh, dear. Mm. Bit of an F bomb. The F bomb. <laughs> But he didn't race at the weekend. Uh, he was uh, down in Wanaka oh, two weekends he ago. To. He was going to race, but apparently he had a little bit of a calf strain. So I was, I was a bit disappointed. I was looking forward to him. Did you go say hello? Yeah, well, no, I didn't even see him down there. Oh. So, no, I didn't. Yeah. Okay, well. Iron think. Russ. Yeah, it's definitely Tom. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask you about what you were up to this week, but that was only an hour ago. Uh, um, yeah, I've just been podcasting all week. Iron Russ. I'm in. Train hard. Train smart. Kia kaha. We, made, we got the power out. There we go. Woo-hoo.